Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Amisha Gormley. We're two girls obsessed with one thing, beauty. beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We're calling on our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. With a drink in hand. Definitely with a drink in hand. <laughs> You're listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims. The older we get, do you think more about getting plastic surgery every day? I mean, we are at the end of a very hard fucking year. It's 2022. We're almost done. It's in winter. I think about it. I would like to get my eyes done before the end of the year. I would say it's Emish's guest today because... It's one of my favorite own, humans. One of her favorite humans. I have not gone to him yet, but I will go to you. I've just been slightly busy this year. Actually, we were in New York and you left me to go get Botox. I really wanted to, but then Super was the man was a whole thing. But today we have a very special guest and one that might be doing Emish's eyes, which she has wanted to do her eyes for a million years. We have on Dr. Stephen Levine. And why we have on Dr. Stephen Levine, because he is probably the most understated plastic surgeon. He's the most famous unknown or yes, unknown. Yeah. I don't, he's known. He's, he's he known. Does every he's celebrity under the radar. In, he's not, he's every, he does every celebrity in the world. Every celebrity that looks fantastic knows Stephen Levine. Yeah. He's been featured in Birdie, People Magazine, Allure, Covator, L, The Cut. If, if you know him, you will find him. He is an aesthetic and reconstructive plastic surgeon on the Upper East Side of New York. He specializes in what is known for natural-looking enhancement across the face, the breast, and the body. We are so excited. We have a million questions. I have a big year next year. She has slightly less of a big year. I am turning 40, (laughs) and she is turning 35. And so we just wanted to get in really early with you. And we're going to cover a lot of topics today. And what I want to do is we kind of titled this episode, How to Naturally Go Under the Knife, What to Do, What Not to Do, What's New That We Need to Know. And we're going to kind of lay it out because my producer and I were kind of going back and forth. We're like, what are all the things you need to do before you go under? Right. So we're going to like talk to you about that because there's a lot of new technologies now where you you can put it off, but at the same time, we want to like ask you this question before you answer it. Think about it and you're going to answer it. Do you do little bits every three to five years 
When does that start? Or do you just wait, save up, take the plunge, go dark and do it? So that's one question we really want. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that. But first of all, how the fuck did you become Dr. Stephen Levine? Did you always? You, yeah. How did, did you start? You always want to be a plastic surgeon? Oh, well, first off, thank you very much for having me. This is already I'm having more fun now than I've had the rest of the week. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. Hi. I Have a cocktail. You're not you're not cutting someone open. No, it's actually, this is lovely. I went to med school with only one interest in mind, which was to be a pediatrician. That was it. Like, all I wanted to do was be a pediatrician. I worked at, you know, Paul Newman had a camp for kids with cancer that I spent a little over 10 years at. And and I loved it. And and I went there and I said, you know, I this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a pediatric oncologist. And I went to med school wanting that. And along the way, I just fell in love with surgery. And I had some really, really amazing mentors that helped me realize even when I was sort of focused in on being a pediatrician, that I just didn't like that part of med school as much as I liked surgery. And I didn't want to be a surgeon because surgeons are assholes and they're egomaniacs. And like, and like, it's just like you do one surgery, you know, you do, you do one, you do a thousand, they're all kind of the same. And, and I just, I fell in love with I think of surgery as like singles tennis. It's like you versus a problem. There's no medicine involved. It's very, very ego gratifying. Surgeons love it. And I have to say, you know, we think of plastic surgery as being like, oh, you're getting plastic surgery. But with people who get sick or have cancers or have really bad accidents, I mean, you, it is amazing what a plastic surgeon can do. I work with Dr. Karmanukian out here. He's done my kids head, jaw, like you guys truly are magicians in the way. I mean, Brooksy was cut to the bone, Scarlet in New York, 25 stitches. I mean, it is amazing. And dealing with really bad situations, it is amazing what you can, I mean, you truly are an artist in, in that way. I mean, that's, that's very kind. I don't think I understood how impactful, I know it's easy to talk about the reconstructive stuff. It's easy, I get it. But put that in a box for a second. I will tell you, my, my wife's a rheumatologist, so she likes to say she, she's a real doctor and I'm a hairdresser with a medical degree. <laughs> I and like it. The thing is, She's hottie too. <laughs> yeah, she's super hot. The thing is, when my wife was helping me move offices and she was looking through my desk drawers to help me bring stuff from one office to the next, and she opens up my top left drawer and if I opened it now, you'd see there are just, there must be 150 handwritten notes from patients, all cosmetic surgery, all aesthetic patients. You know, and I don't mean like like little two lines, thank you so much. I mean, two, three pages of when I look in the mirror, I finally smile. I haven't thought I was pretty in 10 years. I stopped looking in the mirror years ago. I've never done anything this important for, my, for myself before. And then my wife, who's saving people's lives, is like, I think I have like three of these letters. From <laughs> like, she's like, what the hell is going on? And, and the thing is, whatever that says about society aside, the, the fact is, all of us, when you look good, you feel good, right? We all know that. <laughs> you, just, you just quoted my mother. When you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you look good. And yeah, that is the best. We have a girlfriend. I have the goosebumps. We're not going to name her. But she finally, after fucking 20 years, got her boobs done. Her yeah. boobs were terrible. She hated them. She, she hated her boobs. She had gained weight when she was younger. Literally... This past summer, she like brought them out and they were out. They were out. And she was so happy. Yeah. She was in that bikini and 
she was happy. And I have to say, to see her so, for someone who is so not confident, to be confident, to feel good, she just radiated. And I know plastic surgery gets a bad name, but it really, it goes back to the number of letters that you get. You can change, you're like, you know, a fairy godfather. You can change people's outlook on their life. And it isn't just me. It's literally, it's the whole community. And it's not, and it isn't just plastic surgery. The lesson for me has been that whole, like, when you look good, you feel good thing. And then, by the way, I would take it a step further. It's when you feel good, I think you put more good out in the world. You're just like a, there's like mm-hmm. a kind, energy, there's a happiness. Every, you know, when you walk in a room and somebody's got good energy, they just, they got good energy. And I think, you know, listen, I wake up some days, I'll go to my wife and I'm like, sure, I have a pimple on my face. Like, this is awful. I'm going to be full of patients all day. I, I'm so self-conscious. And what does she say? Of course, what pimple? I'm like, are you kidding? It's right. Like you can't miss it. Yeah. And then, and then like, cause it's in my head that I'm like zooming in on it. She barely notices it. I finally tell her, she's like, well, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't have seen it. But like, uh, my whole day is going to suck because of this one stupid pimple that I feel self-conscious about. And then like, I don't, I just think, you know, then, then there are the other days where like, you just got back from vacation. You're a little tan. You kind of feel like you look good and you're like, bring it on. Steven has a six pack. (laughs) So he comes back from, he once he showed me a six pack. I was like, did you did you build that or did you work at that? We could build it for you, <laughs> but if you want to work at it, here's what it looks like. If you don't want to work at it, let me get let me go into an operating room. Which leads us, we're gonna break it down by face and by body today. We're gonna break the myth with all the things you can do now before taking the plunge. Let's start with facial procedures. What are women and men doing now? that's working that people didn't really know about two to three to four years ago? I'll preface by saying my practice is completely confined to surgery at this point, with the exception of Emma and like three of her and three other random people, probably like I don't do any injectables. I don't do any lasers. I only do surgery. And why is that? Because there are a lot of amazing people who do those other things right. really well and better than I do. And, and I want to stay in my lane, right? Like I want to be the guy here's the way I look at it. And this is good for listeners to understand. I think, and I say this with love, I have dermatology colleagues who I have tremendous respect for, and they can do things I can't do. But dermatologists get to live in the gray. They get to live in this area where you go and you see your dermatologist and and they have a conversation with you about something they're going to do for you. And they talk about things like, you're going to see an improvement. Maybe you'll see a 30% reduction in this or 50% reduction in this or 20. And like, I don't even know what those numbers mean. Whereas when you see me, the bargain's really simple. If you are willing to let me cut you and you're willing to take all the trade-offs that come with that, and maybe there's a scar, there's downtime, and there's bleeding, and there's and there's swelling, and there's expense, and there's anesthesia. If you're willing to take all that, then I will definitely give you the result I'm promising you, right? There is no, there's no gray. It's just, if you let me cut you, I will get you the result I'm promising you. <laughs> okay, you're going to cut me. To- <laughs> you, you, you can cut me. You, you can do my arms right now. You know, sometimes I miss school. I mean, I don't really, but I really do love learning, especially learning from experts. I guess that's why we started the podcast, to be exactly that, so we can bring you all this content free of charge week after week with the best of the best across the beauty and wellness industries, and then some. So every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m., join Macy's Live, hosted by top fashion and beauty experts and influencers, covering everything you need to express your personal style. To tune into Live Style, 
All you have to do is go to Macy's.com slash Macy's Live. That's Macy's.com slash Macy's Live for insights on how to make the latest trends work for you. Find new twists on your go-to favorites. There's even gift inspiration, which personally, as a self-proclaimed gift whisperer, I have to say I never say no to an extra tip here and there. There's always more to go around. And obviously, don't forget to check out Live Beauty for all the insider tips on new beauty releases, how-tos, and must-have products that your routine needs now. It does. Just trust me. What I love so much about this program is how fun and informational it is. I love that Macy's has created something like this. They really think about their customer first, and it shows. Anytime I'm itching to find out new information in the fashion and beauty space, I know I can really rely on this incredible resource, not only week after week, but twice a week. It's truly such a fun treat, and I walk away with a new add to my cart, which is great for me, maybe not so great for Stuber. If you're interested in checking out Macy's Live Shopping, head on over to macy's.com slash macy's live. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show, I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. Can I just tell you really quickly, because the thing about Steven that I love is that he's very humble. And he's also very much like, this is what I do. And this is what I don't do. And when I wanted my lips done with him originally, so I had never put anything in my mouth before. He for years would not touch it. He was like, I am not, you don't need it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, because if I put it in there, sure. If I covered your eyes and your nose and you just looked at your mouth, would your lips look great? Sure, they would look fantastic. But then if I would remove my hand, it wouldn't suit your face. He was like, so when your lips, as you get a little older and they start to thin, we'll we'll discuss it. It took me like two or three years before he would let me do anything. And that's why I do trust anything he says to do to your face. Because I'm like, all right, he'll, he'll be honest with me. He's not looking to like ratchet me to do something. You can do my lips too. Don't worry. <laughs> I've never done so, my lips. But they- that's a stare. I like your lips. I've never done. You, you know, know I have lips. to say, I've only done Botox. I know it's well. Good. That's not Nurse Jamie told me I had a witch's chin, which I was like a little bit weird weirded out about. But I was like, I don't really think so. But okay, a witch's chin. Oh, yeah, no. it was weird. It was you a weird know, moment. But I like that stuff. But and again, I really do think there's a place for it. I'm not anti neuromodulator. So let's talk about that for for one second. So before we get to you. Is there anything that you see worth investing in yeah. for the face? And we can talk about the body step. Like, what's your version of the no knife facelift? Yeah, well, fine. That's a great. So the short answer is none, right? Like that, the biggest mistake, but I have a good answer because I don't want to pretend like I'm ever, like surgery is everyone's solution. But the answer to, I'm not ready for a facelift, what should I do? I would love to take a billboard up and then put it in the middle of Times Square. If you are not ready for a facelift, the thing you should do is not get a facelift. It's Mm. really simple. If you're not ready for a facelift, don't get one. Whatever the next sentence is, I'm not ready for a facelift, so I'll just do X. 
that will be how you screw up your face. Does a facelift now mean what it did 20 years ago? Do you do the full face? Is it a half face? Is, is it a what's quarter a mini face? Facelift? Like, what's a mini? Yeah. So, fine. You see, we're getting right into it. But I was going to give you more answers. Okay, okay no, give us more answers. Give us more answers. Give us more answers. No, no. This is a, this is a really important point. And it, it gets to all the questions you're asking about, like, when you do things. Do you just take the plunge to do little things? Everything in medicine should have a diagnosis and a treatment, right? Like it's very easy for whatever reason, when you talk to a plastic surgeon or you talk to even a dermatologist, people focus in on treatments, right? They, I'm going to get Botox, filler, I'll uh, do a face, eyelid, boob job, whatever. Because there's laser. a lot of fillers and a lot of threads going on around LA. I mean, I, I have well. never, I mean, these cheeks are chipmunks everywhere. Chipmunks, we are just, they're just out on every corner of sunset. I completely agree. So let's, Let's analyze that. Back up from all this for a second. If, if you think of everything in medicine as having a diagnosis and a treatment, when you talk to an aesthetic doctor or nurse or whoever it is you're seeing for your aesthetic treatments or a plastic surgeon, you ought to be thinking what the problem is. And if you think about aging as having three sort of global causes, there's gravity, which is relatively obvious where tissue falls. There's laxity, which is different from gravity. Laxity is where the tissue kind of separates from the underlying structure. It's not as tightly adhered. It's almost like a slush puppy. Correct. And the third one is volume loss. Interestingly, of those three, gravity, laxity, and volume loss, the least important, in my opinion, by far, is volume loss. But the most commonly corrected by far is also volume mm -hmm. loss. Why? Because every schmuck on the planet is a thumb, and it's easy to fill, fill, fill. If, if most people look in the mirror at the things they don't like about their aging face, most of the problems, in my opinion, that I see are people, it, they're people who have problems related to gravity and laxity, which means the treatment has to be lifting and tightening, not filling. Right now, you, you know, you're one of my little 80-pound cachectic Upper East Side ladies who hasn't eaten a meal in three weeks. Yeah, you need some filler, right? Like you need volume. You need something because you can't lift an empty bag. But if you have, if you just have, if you have a jowl, right, I don't care if you're 38 years old or if you're 68 years old, if you have a jowl or you have a loose neck, then what you're looking for is something that lifts and tightens. If one of those devices out there, those energy-based devices, if I actually thought those things lifted and tightened, I would tell you to do that. In my experience, they don't. But maybe there's a role for them in younger patients to help stave things off a little bit. Do you think they build scar tissue? They do, by definition, right? When when somebody says somebody builds collagen, that's a euphemism for scar tissue, right? They're <laughs> the same thing. No, they are. I have to write that down. That is a quote. There's nothing wrong with building collagen or scar tissue to help add volume. But in my experience, the machines don't lift and tighten in enough of a way yet, yet in 2022 to make a big enough difference. Where I do think, and this answers the question you brought up earlier, what, what I do think people should invest money and time in that has nothing to do with me is good skincare, right? Like the dermatologists I work closely with are incredible at good skin treatments, right? Resurfacing treatments, all the low energy laser treatments that just basically cause little injuries to the skin, right? These little injuries, whether I, I don't want to name the stupid devices, but there, there are so many of them and in the right provider's hands, I think those are awesome, right? Those are the things that really make a meaningful difference to to help keep your skin looking healthy. Give me an age range for that. Like your 30s, is that like the right time to be doing that? I think the whole world is so obsessed with beauty right now and, you know, the Instagram generation. I think you could see a dermatologist in your 20s. Yeah, no, for about, sure. Those lasers, though. products. Yeah, lasers and stuff is like 20s, 30s. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't think you're crazy to do it in your 20s. Yeah. Just because it's preventative. You're just adding, you're adding to the bank. You, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, you look, nobody doesn't look better when you get one of like, you get one of those low energy laser treatments that you walk out, you're a little red, but you kind of feel like you look good in four or five hours. Your skin looks great. I need one of those. I need one of those. I need one of those. All right. So mini facelifts. I, one of the things I remember you telling me is the average age for your, your facelifts had really, I want to say you told me like 47, like a year or two ago. Really? 47. Last year, year, my average age was 47. And that's, you know, that's. Was that a full uh, facelift? So I, I joke about that term all the time. Only patients say things like that. This full (laughs) facelift, mini half. I, I tell patients all the time. You can call it whatever you want. You tell your friends you're having whatever you want. You want to call it a mini, we'll call it a mini. You want to call it a lower, we'll call it a lower. Well done surgery goes from the top of the cheek to the middle of the neck. That's, that's, that's basically what you should be doing if you want things to look natural. Now, you might decide you want to do something up here above the brow. As a general rule, I don't like the way people look when they lift their brows. It's, it's not my, I think Botox does a really good job of subtly lifting people's brows and Every once in a while, I see someone whose brows really low and could benefit from surgical intervention. But that is that sort of leads me to the next idea, which is here's one. This is something worth writing down. The biggest difference between surgeons: it's not technique, it's not technical ability, it's aesthetic judgment. Right? Anybody who tells you that they have a special technique is full of shit. Run away from anyone who tells you that their technique is special. They're the only one in the world who knows how to do it. They are completely full of it, right? There, nobody has a special technique. Nobody knows something someone else doesn't do. What we have is our own aesthetic judgment, right? Like take, take breast augmentation because it's a super easy sort of concept to grasp. It's not the most challenging procedure anyone does. We know that. But you walk along the beach in Miami and you see these girls with these like little 90 pound girls with these like cannons out to here. And listen, you pull them aside and say, miss, what do you think of your breasts? And she's going to say, oh my God, I love that. And then ask the doctor did them, you know, what do you think of the breasts? And the, and the doctor says, they look great. So you've got a happy patient, happy doctor. Technically that's well done surgery, I guess. I think it looks gross, but that's a, it's, it's an aesthetic <laughs> judgment, right? It's like, so, so when you look at people whose cheeks are all filled with filler, or you look at people who have bad facelifts, like, it isn't necessarily a poorly done operation. It's not the technique. It's the it's it's the judgment of the doctor doing. It's hard to see bad work though. I and have you to fix say, a lot. You of fix bad a work. lot. I mean, I know patients you fixed, and it's hard to see when it's badly done. I mean, even with my back surgery, I feel like I had a four C section. I'm like, wow, that was really well done. It's a little longer than I wanted it to be, but it's. It was like, it's hard to see bad work. Anyway. Can you reverse bad work though? Like, cause I know, I know you're so discreet. I was in his office one day and he was like, I have someone back there. And I was like, who? And he wouldn't tell me. And he was like, they're coming in and out of the, you know, special entrance. And I'm like, I want to know who it is. And he would not tell me, which is, you know, fair. But it was like a botched job. And I... She's like, is it this person? This person? I was like guessing. Like, and he was like, I'm not telling you. I'm sorry. And HIPAA and all of that. Daily Mail. Um, <laughs> we're going to list every A-list celebrity right now. But is it how hard is that? Like when someone comes in with like a really botched up face and they're like, hey, can you fix it? You know, are you like, Ugh, I don't really want to touch this. I don't know that I can. Like, is there ever a situation where you see that? Or are you like, no, I can make you better? No, I... I, I... I really don't. I, I, sometimes it's unfixable. 
yeah, you can screw yourself up to a point where it's unfixable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as a general rule, I don't ever want to fix botched work. You're right. I, I seem to have, I hate the word botched, and I seem to have developed a reputation for fixing work that isn't what it should have been. And and that isn't fun, right? Like I'd much rather just operate on people for the first time who have nothing wrong with them. And I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to undo something, especially because it goes back to that sort of good energy thing, right? When you meet someone for the first time is considering having plastic surgery, that's fun and exciting and maybe nerve wracking and anxiety provoking, but it's still, there's an element of, of like, I'm giving myself a giant gift. And me as the doctor, I get to be part of that giant gift. When you're treating somebody who's had a really bad experience with another surgeon, it's already... It's already muddy waters. Yeah, I know. it's like not... It's like, again, so I, I end up doing those things either... I mean, there's probably some ego in it for me, right? There's probably some ego gratification where it's like, this is a famous person and I'm going to put them on the right. Like, I'm going to have that article go from, holy shit, what happened to her face to, she's been looking a lot better lately. And <laughs> yeah, that, she's been sleeping a lot more. Right, that's exactly right. That's ego gratifying. But usually I end up getting pulled into those cases from from a friend of a friend of a friend. Like somebody calls me up and is like, please, please, please. Because mm-hmm. as a general rule, I would... I'd love to not do that. What is everyone right now, not to be trendy, but what is everybody wanting? I mean, everyone wants a non-invasive facelift, right? Everyone wants this. They want this just subtle, like, hey, can't you just put two stitches in here? I don't want anything crazy. I just like, can't you just do that? That's what they want. That doesn't exist yet. But I think we are way better at, at, at healing time. You know, I say all the time, the whole ladies who lunch thing, that's over, right? I don't have patients who who, you know, my old partner used to operate on these, these women who they, they come in for surgery in May and they'd like come out in September and they would be like, here, I'm out. Like that isn't the thing anymore. Now all people want to know is when they can get back to their lives, whether mm-hmm. they're, you know, working six jobs or, or they're an actress or they're just, they're running philanthropies or they're in the financial services industry, whatever it is, or, or if, even if they have nothing to do, they just want to get back to whatever it is they're doing because the idea of recovering from weeks and weeks, it doesn't do it. I tell people you should expect my typical rules, and I usually repeat this. I'll, I'll say three weeks for social events, six weeks if you're the mother of the bride, and twelve weeks if you're the bride. But most people look good enough to go to dinner with a friend by the end of the first week without scaring people. It's crazy. I love something that you said to me once, which I think is so interesting. Is you really never want someone to find you on social media, and so you keep social media super low profile. You don't want someone to go on Instagram and you think that a lot of plastic surgeons use Instagram falsely or it's not the right way to talk about plastic surgery. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I do think that there is, I I find sometimes like I go down the rabbit hole of plastic surgery and I'm like, ooh, look at that transformation. Look at that transformation. Look at that. Why do you have an aversion to that? What is your philosophy on that? Sure. Part of it is probably, right, you've sort of, you build a narrative around whatever story you tell yourself. So probably part of it is just that I'm a little more private and don't want to put it out there. But but if I was being sort of, if I'm being critical, I would say, here's, let, I'll give you the numbers, the way I see them. I'm a pretty busy surgeon. Let's say I do, I don't know, let's call it 350 surgeries a year. So if I do 350 surgeries a year, that means in the next 10 years, I'm going to do 3,500 surgeries. And let's say in the next 20 years, I'm going to do 7,000 surgeries. Why on earth do I need 50,000, 100,000, a half a million, a million followers on Instagram if in the next 20 years, I'm only going to treat 7,000 people, right? What does it tell you about somebody 
who, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. I have friends who use Instagram. For, I have good friends who are good surgeons who are great. So I don't mean to indict everyone. But what does it tell you about someone that they can't build a practice via word of mouth, right? Like, and I know I'm being super critical and, and it shouldn't, it doesn't mean to come off the way, but I guess my, what I'm trying to tell a patient is I completely rely on, on my last result to get me my next patient. If I start sucking at her, if I start not being as good as I, as I once was, my practice is going to take a nosedive because I don't have another way to get patients. Mm-hmm. So the bargain that I make with the patient is this, I will give you my time. I will give you my energy. I will follow through on whatever promise I made to you as far as, as far as results goes, I will do that or my practice will suffer and die. As opposed to if I spend $200,000 a month on Instagram advertising and marketing and, and giving away free surgery to get celebrities to endorse me and whatever else you can do, then you don't, almost don't care how if your patients are happy because word of mouth isn't how you get your patients. You get yeah. them through this marketing machine. Yeah, it's true. And I, th- I like that because a referral, like you, you were like, I want someone to refer me. Like if they, if they, I want someone to be like, I spoke to so and so, and she was so happy with her eye surgery. So we also, you really want. I mean, even you know what I went through with my back having to go through the front, and I ended up backing out the first time around because I didn't know that I'm not naturally blonde, but <laughs> I did not know that that back surgery was done through the front. I had no idea, and I have to say, like, even though. It's lower down there. No one sees it. I'm like, but everything's going to be okay, right? Like when I started having the fluid buildup, I had my surgery and then I had a little bit of complications after a fluid build. And that relationship, that trust that you have with your doctor is super, super so important. It, it's so important. I just want to switch gears really quickly on the body, right? Because now I think the body, as much as the face, the body is now getting a lot more attention, right? You're having lasers for the body, but what are some of the techniques that you're doing now, whether it be, and we know about the tuck or the mini tuck, whatever, but is there anything else that's new that I need? Because I really want to get my arms done. I've always been, well, you can't see because, well, they're, they're kind of skinny right now, but I was a swimmer for like so many years. So I'm always like conscientious about being broad or whatever. And I look at someone like, God, your arms are so fucking tiny. But everybody says you're going to have like a nine inch scar, right? Like Why? I know. I know. It's so the, I mean, the answer is because the Holy grail that we just don't have a handle on yet is, is non-invasive skin tightening, right? There, there are all these machines and I own a bunch of them, to be honest, that I use in the operating room that basically deliver energy to the tissue that are supposed to shrink wrap the tissue, right? That's the, that's the sales pitch. I'm going to do some lipo on you. So, so you either get the big cut, like you said, and that's, that's a great result, right? If you're willing to trade skin for scar, that's the old plastic surgery bargain, right? Trade skin for scar, you could have a great tight arm, but obviously that's a disaster for you, not worth it. Mainly that choice is for people in their arms who have lost a lot of weight and just have like big bat wings. Right. So what do you do for the, for the person who's already in good shape and just is like a little bit looser in their arms than they want? I mean, that person probably spends a lot of money on something that doesn't really work. Right. So maybe instead you make a donation to a charity and at least you get a write off. <laughs> but the answer is, but I'll give you but the answer of what exists out there is, you know, the story that you want to hear is, well, I'll do some lipo and then that could make your skin loose. So when I'm done with the lipo, I'm going to use this energy device, whatever it is. And there are two or three of them out there. And I own some of them because I've tried it. And I'm going to use this energy device and it's going to shrink wrap the skin afterwards and help make things tight. Or maybe you're going to make a scar, like a small scar, just in the armpit. And, and, and 
And I will, this is where that aesthetic judgment of the doctor comes in. For me, I wouldn't offer that surgery to you or to anyone because I don't think it looks good. Right? Like I don't like the aesthetic of it. I don't, even though it's a smaller scar, I don't think it's worth the trade-off. I don't think it's a big enough improvement. And I really don't think there's a minimally invasive way to make a significant difference in the arms unless you are somebody who's got really thick dermis and a little bit of extra fat and liposuction can sometimes make a little bit of a difference. But but really, there's there's no awesome I'll see you next week. <laughs> I'm like, I'm coming to you just to try out the yeah. machines you've got that Me you probably too. aren't using. I'll, I, just, I'll just test them out for you. Give them a whirl. This episode is brought to you by K18. You guys know I care a lot about my hair. I mean, as women, don't we all? And for those of us who maybe, just maybe aren't naturally blonde, we're constantly putting our hair through the ringer. I mean, the ringer. And I'm just going to be really honest with you and myself. I'm not stopping coloring my hair anytime soon. So that just means I need to find ways to maintain having healthy hair. And boy, do I have the ultimate secret for you. It's called K18. That's right, K18. And what's so cool about it is that it's not your typical beauty brand. They're a biotech company that creates a clinically proven, science-backed hair products and their breakthrough leave-in molecular repair hair mask reverses damage in just four minutes, which is hard to believe, but it really does work. Shop K18's leave-in molecular repair hair mask at Sephora and Sephora.com. You guys, I have been using this I mean, I think I was one of the beginnings. I got like a first sample, like two, I think it's at least been two years. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you guys, it's the future of hair care. Unlike most products that cover up damage, this one works to improve damage from bleach, color, chemical services, and heat on all hair types. You heard me right, all hair types. The secret is in their patented K18 peptide. And if you just listened to our episode with Dr. Dominique Freyden-Reed the other week, you're probably now the expert on peptides. But in all seriousness, this product was born after 10 years of complex bioscience research to restore strength and elasticity in the innermost layers of your hair. What I leave you with is this. I get that finding the time to do a hair mask can be difficult, but what makes this one so different and actually attainable is that everyone has four minutes in their day. So now you have no excuse but to have smoother, softer, and just better hair. Bring your hair into the future with K18 Molecular Repair, available now at Sephora and Sephora.com. I don't know if you find the change in season getting closer to the holidays, but I've been finding myself gravitating towards more comfort foods recently. And you know what happens there? Bloating. That's right, bloating. I'm someone who's pretty good about always taking a probiotic, but when I skip a day, I can really feel a difference. That's why I consistently turn to Seeds DS-01 Daily Symbiotic, a broad-spectrum plant-based prebiotic and 24-strain probiotic formulated for digestive gut immune and additional systemic benefits. Their design is specifically capsule and capsule to protect against stomach acid, digestion enzymes, and bile salts for viability through digestion. So what does that mean? The live probiotics will actually make it to the end of the small intestine for delivery into the colon. If you've taken a probiotic before and never felt a difference, it's likely because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. Seed is designed differently, and that's precisely why it works. So what does that really look like? We're talking benefits in and beyond the gut. Seed's DS01 will support ease of bloating, 
healthy regularity, ease of evacuation, but also support your gut barrier, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. Gut immune isn't boosting the immune system. It's about supporting the crosstalk between your intestinal cells and your immune cells. Many, including myself, see improvements within just 24 to 48 hours. And as if I needed more love, Seed has an incredible refill system so you can practice and partake in sustainability from your own home. Their sustainable biomaterials and refill systems reduce our imprint, which in turn allows us to be gentler to our planet. Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash lipstick and use code lipstick to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash lipstick and use code lipstick. Can we talk about the eye procedure? Because that's a big yeah, one. Yeah, she really I, so wants Aside it. from just me, because I, I have asked people in the past and- I asked you, I said, you know, there have been dermatologists that have said to me, oh, well, you can just inject underneath. And you yes. told me, don't, yeah, do not do filler under the eye. It's a waste. You were like, just do the surgery what? and what? call it a day. What? You what? told me that too. I, from day one, every derm is like, just fill it. Just fill it. I'm like, no, don't And he told me the same it. thing. He said, no, don't no, fill it. No, suck it out. Go under. Yeah. yeah and, and here's what I'll say. I want to just listen. I already, just so you know, I get a phone call not infrequently from a derm colleague who's like, can you please stop telling my patients that this doesn't work? Or can you please stop like imputing what I do if you want me to send you any more people? And, and I'm like, it's not that I'm, I don't want to suck up to anyone. On the other hand, I also, I want to be honest and straightforward to patients, but I also don't want to be such a contrarian to tell you that derms are awesome. They do things I can't do, right? I don't do filler well. I don't do Botox well. I, I don't do the lasers. I think you do Botox very well. Well, thank you, but I I don't want to do it, so don't don't tell anyone. <laughs> He's not taking any Botox or Restylane <laughs> or filler patients. Nothing, but so I I think there's a time and a place for it. There are patients who do look great with filler. Here's the weird thing about filler under the eyes. Again, this is just my experience. If an injector wants to disagree with me, they're they're welcome to. I think lower eyes have a fucked up relationship with water to begin with, mm. right? So the lower that makes eyes sense. Are, has a weird, like the, the milieu of, of the lower eyelid has a weird relationship with water where some days you wake up and you look like, like a disaster, right? Like you don't even want to go outside. Your lower eyes look horrible. Maybe you drank red wine, you had sushi, you slept on your face, you cried. You, yeah, you, you we did all that last night. <laughs> right, right. Like all those things. And then your lower eyes look terrible. And some days you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, damn, I, I got know. It. I'm bright eyed. That's so weird. You're like, damn, I look good. Or right. thank God I didn't drink That's that water, bottle though, of right? soy sauce. Well, so here's the thing. So the lower eyelid has got this strange relationship with water. And now you take this molecule, hyaluronic acid, which is the, you know, which is the active molecule in, in Restylane and Juvederm and, and these other types of fillers. And you take this molecule. The reason why they charge you so much money for it is because the molecule itself can absorb about 10,000 times its weight in water. So it's very good at holding on to water. It's what's called hydrophilic. It, it sucks up water which is great depending on what you want to do, but you've already got this weird relationship with water in your lower eyelid. So sometimes you get filler in your lower eyes and it looks good when you leave the office or it looks good even for a week or two or three or four or a month or whatever it is. But that filler doesn't go away nearly as quickly as people say it does. Um, and to be clear, I don't mean it takes nine months, not six months. I think it takes 10 years or longer, right? Like unless a preponderance of my patients are lying to me, People come in and they haven't had filler in five, six, seven, eight, nine years. I open up their face for a facelift and it's just pouring out, right? It's there because 
maybe the clinical effect you're looking for is it dissipates in an X number of months, but it's still there and it's it's changed the dynamic of your tissues relationship with water. So there are people for whom filler looks amazing. And I have patients in my practice that are so brilliantly filled by who by dermatologists, some of whom I have very close relationships with who are incredible, who are so wonderful with filler, they're basically magicians. But the problem is the barrier to entry to being a filler person, whether it's, you know, what, what dermatologist, pediatrician, plastic surgeon, nurse, OBGYN, friend down the street, like got a whole bunch of filler from Mexico, whatever. The, the barrier is so low that there are so many people doing filler. It's the reason why I see way more bad filler out there than I see bad surgery. Mm-hmm. I, right? agree. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Plastic surgeons are the ones who get the, we get the bad end of the stick, right? Two Two women are out to uh, lunch together and they see this disaster of a face walk by and they go, oh my God, who did her face? And the answer is no one. Some injector filled it up with a bunch of crap. It wasn't a surgeon. Well, I also, I can't remember who we interviewed, but we were they were talking about like threads and building up oh, scar yeah. tissue and filler and all of it. And they're like, it's a disaster when a surgeon goes in there. Yeah. So here's what I say about that part. That's Sure. If I could script my perfect patient who's never had anything done on their face, that'd be great. But I think if you're an accomplished facelift surgeon in the 21st century, then like, just suck it up. Yes. It's, it's annoying to operate on people who've had threads and machines and other things that have caused scar tissue, but you just deal with it. I think that's fine. And, and again, I have some patients who come in here who I don't think they're ready for a facelift. And I think, wow, you do look amazing. And they'll say, yeah, I've been getting injected by, you know, one of the really great dermatologists. And yeah. There is, it's just, there's just a fine line. It's a fine line. I mean, I, I do think there's some beautiful work. And also that, again, it staves off the knife, right? So you, you know, until you really are ready, like you said, to come see someone like you, you, you kind of build up to that. I mean, I also... I, we talk about this. Everybody's different. Like what I need at 30 is not what you need at 40 is not what you need at 50. So we're all it's but we all try to be like, OK, should we do the facelift at 45 or should we do the the neck at 55? Right. My girlfriend just did her neck in New York, Mary Alice with Rosenberg, and it bothered her forever. None of us thought she needed it. By the way, it looks fucking amazing. And she will tell you that she's super proud. But I'm like, that's not really my issue. Right. Like, that's not my thing. But my thing is I can tell you a lot about my things, but it's interesting how everyone and we just have to make sure we stop. We make sure we don't compare because I think that's where a really good surgeon comes in line. Like, actually, your thing is not that it's this like or it's it's, well, you were honest with me. You said do the eyes. You need to do the eyes. Like, it's easy. Do it. Let's do it. Let's get it over with. And you'll be happy. And that's because what I know about her is she's had the same issue for 10, 15 years, it's genetic. It's not, there's, there's no, there, it's not like she's had a bad night out or five I, I bad get eight nights hours out. of sleep. I don't, you know, I could not drink for a month. I, yeah. Makes no difference. hundred percent. I'll give you a good story that I got put in my place by a young woman a couple of years ago. It was great. My office knows, like I throw people out of the chair all the time, whatever I think they're being nuts or they don't need anything. And they're just obsessing. I'm like, you gotta go. You don't need anything. You, <laughs> you look great. So this like, 19-year-old, beautiful NYU freshman or sophomore comes in and it says in the consultation, she's lower eyes. So I look at her like, I look at her, she's got some bags under her eyes, but she's gorgeous and she's 19. So I tell her, listen, you, you have the greatest thing ever, which is you're 19 and you're beautiful. Like, you don't need to worry about this shit right now. Go. And I kind of was dismissive. 
And man, did this girl put me in my place. It was awesome. I look back on it. I just think like I learned a lot from it because she basically, she's like, so what's your problem? I'm like, what do you know? I was like, I'm giving you a compliment. You look amazing. She's like, do you see the bags under my eyes? I was like, I do, but I also see the whole overall is like, I'm seeing a beautiful woman who doesn't need anything. And you're 19. Enjoy your youthful, great looks. And she's like, would you do a nose job on a 17 year old? And I'm like, I guess, sure. We, we do that all the time. She's like, so like, if you think I've got bags, why wouldn't you treat me? And then she takes out her phone and she shows me photos of herself at age 13 and 14 with bags. Then she shows me pictures of her mother and her grandmother with bags. And she's like, what's your deal? Like, I'm going to have to be 30, 40. Like, what's your number? And for the guy who's running around saying that, like I did at the beginning of our conversation, I think there ought to be a diagnosis and a treatment to everything. It isn't age. It's about, do you have something? If you do, then do the procedure. She just like totally took the legs out from me. And anyway, I ended up doing her, I ended up doing her lower eyes and she was be perfectly happy. She, I'm sure she thought I was an asshole. Because you know what it was? Every, it bothered her. She, it bothered her. Yeah. It bothered yeah. her. Every single day she woke up and she didn't see the picture. She saw her eyes. You know, it's a little bit like our friend. Like every time she put on a bathing suit or a great dress. It was she, the boobs. It was her boobs. You know what I mean? It's it's also what you see. It's what you obsess on that sometimes. And again, that can get a little dangerous and that it can get a little like body dysmorphic. But at one point, if something bothers you, and this is where I always say, you need to do whatever makes you happy. And that's... And not take shortcuts. I do think that I've seen like people that try to do nose jobs with like injectables. And I don't understand that. I don't get that. I think either if you, if you need to get a nose job, get a nose job. Like I've seen so much on Instagram of people posting like, oh, look at this nose optimization I did. And it's like, it's injectables. Mm -hmm. Like seems like a lot, very expensive. Uh, I don't do, I, I don't even operate on noses anymore. I gave it up because I, again, I think there are people who do it better than me. So, so I stopped doing it, but, but I, but yeah, those liquid rhinoplasties, they call them, they don't appeal to me. I think I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there are, there's a place for it, but there's no question they're overused. And you know, the other, the other thing more so than probably any other procedure in the plastic surgery realm, that procedure seems to fall really easy to, to create some like digital trickery. Right where they're showing you this angle and like, mm -hmm. oh look, the bump is gone when the picture. Like, mm -hmm. come on, like it's you're adding a volume to a nose. A bump is extra tissue. Well, all you did was make the nose bigger, right? If you add volume to a nose, all you're doing is making it bigger, which is often not what you want. But if you're looking at a zoomed in, it's what Emma should said at the beginning of the conversation. If you look at a zoomed in picture of just the nose, sure, the after looks somehow more appealing because you don't see the bump. But zoom out, look at the whole face their nose just got bigger, right? That's, that's what happened. You know, the same thing happens. Someone has a jowl, you know, that little bit of skin right here. Like, my, uh, husband, right, like, ha my husband has that. Oh, nice. That's got him. No, I mean, he's amazing, but he, he definitely has a jowl. His dad has a jowl. I'm like, I, I, cause I look at Grace Duber. He's five. He has a jowl. Sweet angel yeah. of heaven. Uh, well, I'm, he's very handsome. He'll see you in a few years. If, if you have a jowl, you have two options, right? You can lift, which is what I do. Or you can add volume, you can add filler in front of it, which basically conceals it. And that's fine. That goes back to that aesthetic judgment, right? If you add filler in front of it and conceal it, you're going to get a wider, more masculine jawline, which if your husband might be totally fine. But if you're <laughs> a petite woman, it's not so good to have a masculine jawline. So 
Let me ask you a question. What are you most excited about? Because plastic surgery has come a really long way. Even doing my back, they were a little bit talking about PRP and stem cells and all what, you know, the future will hold. What do you think the biggest thing right now, like your most like, wow, this is we're starting to see that this works or this doesn't work, this technique? Uh, that is a good question. Or is it just that you're honing in and getting better? I think every generation of plastic surgeons is just adapting to the the aesthetic trends of our generation, like whatever that zeitgeist is, right? And and you get more comfortable being in the box you want to be in, right? Like if you want to be a doctor that gives people box eyes or cat eyes, which to be clear, I do not, then that could be your thing. And you should own that. And if you definitively don't, then you don't, right? So I think the thing that I'm most grateful for in my profession now is because I don't do Instagram and I don't do social media, pretty much all my patients have a, every one of my consults starts the same. It starts with like, oh, I can see Emma sure referred to you. Oh, isn't she great? And we like, we bullshit about Emma for five minutes, right? Or, oh, this doctor sent you. Every one of my patients essentially wants this something similar because we're all sort of, you know, two, three, four degrees separated from each other. I think the, the holy grail one day that I'll be excited for is non-invasive skin tightening, right? The things that, you know. I know, it's like your leg, like the top yeah. of your knees. How many women... I would pay because now I haven't been exercising as much. I'm like, oh, I can see that flabby. I was just going to like lift up my leg. You see this move? You know how many women come in here and go, can't you just do this? And they grab their skin. And by the way, all of a sudden, their leg looks perfectly smooth just from like this little lift here. But I can't just put two stitches like right here. Just put two stitches. Everything is two stitches. By the way, I asked one doctor, I'm like, can we just tuck the skin underneath my boobs and just like tuck it under? And he's like, not really. He was like, no. that's the only, I'm like, but Brooks like, like, stretched me so much. So that's why, even though I'm being so negative about all these devices and these things that I don't think work, hats off to all the, to the badass physicians that are working with these devices and are actively trying to make them better. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you think the biggest mistake people make? I think the biggest mistake people make is, is doing things to avoid surgery. Which, which sounds like a super self-serving answer, but I mean it. If you are, if your reason for doing something is, if you say to yourself, I really want this surgery, but, you know, X is standing in the way, whether it's, whether it's money or it's the t- downtime or it's the fear of surgery, I think you really need to ask yourself, if the thing that you're substituting for it, is it a reasonable Band-Aid or is there a chance that it will actually set you back? And that's probably the biggest mistake people make. And, and then you do lose the forest for the trees, right? You start doing these little things and before you know it, you don't quite look the same anymore. Well, you do tweak the eyes and then you tweak the cheeks and then you tweak the lips and then you snatch the waist and then it's, it. you don't look, I mean, human. You don't yeah. really look human anymore. <laughs> you don't look like yourself. No. no, it's true. Just to go back to the point I was saying earlier, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the doctors who use these devices right now that I don't think are great. But first off, I promise you, I probably see the people who they didn't work on. So there probably is a subset of people for whom they work better on than the people I see. And someone has to make these things better, right? If we're, get, if we're ever going to get to this non-invasive skin tightening, which I hope to in, in, in my lifetime, then someone's got to be trying these things out and, and, and tweaking them and giving feedback to the companies making them. So I'm glad they exist. I'm just I'm just happy not to be one of the people using them. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, no, I, I mean, 
Now you I, know why I love him so much. I know I do. I love you. And like you're hot. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Look favorite thing. No, because when we pulled your picture, I'm like, I, I don't know why. I guess I thought I knew what you look like. I don't know why I, I didn't. I was like, oh, shit. What did you think I looked like? I, I don't know. I, I, I was like, I just have known your name for like three years now because everybody goes to you. And I'm like, I actually don't know what Rosenberg looks like. I, I know what Dr. Diamond looks like, but I, it was just, or Sultan, like I, I, but it was weird. I'm like, oh, all right. Look like it's he, he looks like he's 15 in person. He literally looks like a child. You you do look you do look young Very and fit. Young. Young, young and hot and fit. Okay. <laughs> we do a little bit of rapid fire here on Lipstick on the Rim. Favorite thing about being a plastic surgeon? Definitely the post-op making people smile. Like that moment when you get to share that they are just so excited and they want to give you a hug and you feel that genuine gratitude, even though you don't feel worthy of it. That is like the coolest feeling ever. Favorite thing about being married to another doctor? She gets it. She gets that I'm spent sometimes and she's really she's she's really good about that making me feel better. We're gonna we're gonna send her letters so she'll have letters of appreciation. Yeah. Too. From us. From <laughs> us. <laughs> Favorite thing about living in New York City? Oh, yeah, energy. This place has a pulse. I could never not live here. This is it. I need I don't care how bad we it could gets. Get married, Dr. Levine. <laughs> yeah, I freaking love it. I love New York City. I love the energy of the city. My husband, oh, I, we could be married. If you could have any other job, what would it be? Ooh, I think it would be something with kids. I'd probably like a social worker for kids. Oh, hot. I know. It's more cute. hot. I know. Go-to cocktail. Negroni. Coffee or tea? Coffee. What's your superpower? What is my superpower? Oh, like superpower I'd want or superpower I have? Like I think I have. You can answer both. Those are two very good rapid questions. What's your superpower you want? Oh, I, I mean, so I'm like Superman. That was my, like, he's my cartoon idol. I want that whole set of powers. I want to fly, I want to super speed, super strength. As Dr. Stephen Levine, what is your superpower? Ooh. I know your superpower. Making people Uh-oh. feel happy, maybe making people feel oh. good. Yep. Well, that is actually a nicer one than what I was going to say. What I was going to say is probably too self-indulgent, but I think clinically what I'm really good at is I'm really good at knowing where tissue used to be. And I say all the time, like, I'm not Michelangelo. I'm not the guy you see if you don't like the way you look 10 years ago. When I'm operating, I'm very good at knowing that, like, this used to live here. And if I just put it back, you won't look any different. It'll just be the same. I don't have a one size fits all. I'm very good at knowing where things used to be, even without seeing a photo of you from 10 years ago. I can see the holes in the deep structures and know that, all right, this this came from here and this came from here. You can just take me take, apart take, take, and take, take, see where things used to be and just <laughs> push them up a little. I have a question um, for you. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it for our listeners. The Jersey Shore or the Hamptons? Oh, yeah. That's the Jersey Shore for me every time. I, would you ever believe that? We might yeah. be divorced already. <laughs> I have a sign that says well, my happy happened? place because <laughs> my favorite place in the world is the Hamptons. My second favorite place is New York City. Okay. Most prized possession? My dog. I mean, after my kids. Love my dog. One thing you'd bring on a deserted island? The dog. Next place you want to go on vacation? Ooh. Morocco. Oh, well, you're married listen, again. You're, you're married, married again. again. <laughs> we can ride a camel May 25th, 2023. You and I are going to when celebrate are you going? my birthday. Where are you going? So we're going for my daughter's bar mitzvah in December. Stop for, it. For over Yeah. I really wanted to go. Let's do it. Biggest vice. I am a ridiculous candy holic junk food. I live on it. It's basically like it's probably 80% of my calories in a given day. 
just next to me. It's just like when we like at the end of the day, I just like stop it. Well, my producer was having a fruit roll up, so you you and her could get me. What is your biggest pet peeve? I'm very sensitive to smells. Hmm, I'm sensitive to smells. My kids smell. Yeah. My kids' yeah, feet my kids smell. smell. I mean, the, his cleats are just. It's like I'm. It's like I'm gagging. Okay. Yes. It's too much about yes, me. I'm with you. By the way, do you want to know something? Because we talk about surgery and. You know, we have all these doctors on. Do you know that I I couldn't even like when I was younger and like going into health class? I mean, I still have an issue with fainting, but I cannot see blood. I cannot handle medical. I mean, I start to get sweaty. I start to slightly hyperventilate inside. I can oh. literally drop. What's it? The vasovagal? I don't even know. It's like when yeah. part of your brain just like, oh, favorite book. Ooh. It's all about magic. I grew up doing magic. That's how I paid my way through college. Did like magic. At, I, like, I didn't know magic. that about you. You do that. magic tricks? I do. I do. Stop so it. I, like, Mark Wilson is a great magic book that I've loved forever. Um, you are kind but, of a magician. You you, you go in and you, you come out. With, you you yeah. might get something a little bit better. <laughs> we ask every guest before they go, if you could give advice to your 10-year-old self, what would it be? There's definitely one girl I would have avoided. But... but uh, <laughs> She ruined you. Yeah, exactly. But I guess it would be, don't let failing get you down. I take things really, really, really hard. And I think all the best lessons I've learned were from things that didn't work out. And if I got back up more quickly, I get further ahead more quickly. And instead, I, like when I, when I get knocked down, I would take it really, really hard. We talk a lot about going down the mountain, getting caught in a crevice and trying to get back out of it. The more successful people tend to get out of the crevice a little faster. They take the hit, they take the fall and they, and keep, they, going. And they keep going and they don't, not that you don't have pity for yourself, or you don't wallow in it. It's not disappointing. But, you know, the one thing that I think we've learned and the two of us and our listeners have constantly heard over the past year and a half was like, things go wrong. Shit happens bad things happen, but those failures mean something and use it and, and try to get back up the mountain. Because I do think you'll have a way easier time with life and you'll enjoy it more. If you just, you can, you can get out of the mat, you can get out of the crevice, you can get out of the ditch. Don't you yeah. agree? Totally. Isn't that what you want? Of all the things I could ever want for my kids, isn't like, I want them to, I want them to get knocked down, but I, I want them to get back up. Yeah. And and I, you don't like seeing your kids in pain. And I, that is like, yeah, I bet you that would be my number one wish for my children is that me they inherit that. Or, yeah. or, or they're, me they're too. It's that. that things, things don't always go as planned. It's how you get how out. You handle it. How you handle it. You can handle it really good. I, you know, having a business, I'm sure you've seen like employees and people you work with, you're like, oh my God, they're amazing until they're not. And they leave so badly. And you're like, mm, it didn't have to be like that. My parents were very big on how you enter a job is important, but how you leave a job is more. It has helped me in my life so much. I still work with people I've worked with for 27. People have still helped me 30 years ago that still help me now because I've always just, I've been yeah, nice. I've been respectful. Yeah. You know, we had someone who worked with Scott and I and we were like, God, what a great kid. What a great person. Like you're going to go far. Like we had one guy who came back 10 or 15 years later. And of course you help people because they helped you. And it really does go a long way. It really does. You're amazing. 
I want to get everything done right now. I know. I want to see you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message Courtney and, and figure out when I'm coming. I'll, I'll come. I'm coming. I'm coming very soon to New York. We can, we can all hang out. and. Uh... Yeah. Double. I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you where to find him, but his name is Dr. Stephen Levine. He's on Instagram. He is on he Instagram. Is on Instagram. He's, he's just low pro. Dr. Stephen Levine, pro. MD. He's low pro. Listen, you, you have an incredible reputation for a reason. And, you know, if we, they're a celebrity that's had some work done, they look good. How about can't you can't give us names, but really, truly, your work is really phenomenal. And I know and I can just tell how many patients and people you have really made happy and, and changed their lives because what you do is is no joke. And you can really again, you can make people feel good and look good. And that's that's a gift. That's a gift, my friend. That's magic because it's not easy. You're awesome. You guys love are you. awesome too. I yeah, love, love, I mean, thank you so much. Thank you. We will see you next, next week. See you next week. Love you. Thanks for listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims and my ride or die, Amisha Gormley. We are always so excited to bring you guys along on this journey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at Lipstick on the Rim, or my website where we just dive a little bit deeper into my favorite products, trends, and much, much more on mollysims.com. This podcast is a production with Dear Media. A special thanks to my team, Elizabeth Tawfield, Schaefer Carrillo, Ken Ryan, and Anna Sessions, and everyone at Dear Media. Don't forget to listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on the fun. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.